This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. So we're starting the series, Dreaming with God, and I'm very excited about this because I feel the Lord wants to plant some, some seeds in our hearts, seeds of potential, seeds of what could be, what should be, and what could be. And, uh, and so I'm trusting as we're going to be sharing about, you know, how God sees us and how he sees you, I'm trusting for, for some things to be unlocked on the inside of you. So how are your dreams doing? Are they big? Are they extravagant? Are they beyond what you can achieve? Or have they over time become smaller and smaller and smaller? Life happens and then it tends to, to become smaller. Uh, so Vian, our son, he's nine years old, he comes, he, he dreams wildly, you know. So you want to, you sort of want to sometimes almost like, hey, just stop it. <laughs> you know, it's like he comes with these wild, crazy ideas of this vehicle that he's going to build. And he's now paint, he's like put it down on paper and his, his plan of the car that will become a boat and that it can fly. And it's going to cost so much and then he's going to sell to his dad for a special price. <laughs> and he uh, names it some freaky, awesome name. And I just love the, the childlikeness, you know, the, 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 the imagination that, that just still feels anything is possible. You know, but what happens to us as we become older, as life happens, you know, we, uh, we become realistic. And we become often very small-minded as well. And, uh, and I'm trusting that, uh, that the Lord's going to unlock something in us when we, you and I start dreaming with God. So uh, a month or two ago, I had a horrible nightmare. I had a dream, but it was a bad dream, one of the worst I've ever had. So I was like, uh, in this dream, I took out my cell phone, new cell phone, and it slipped out of my hand, and it crashed on the floor. It's terrible nightmare. But the good thing was, I wasn't that upset in the, in the, in the dream, so that's good. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I will get a cheapie. Nokia, wada wada. We'd go back old school. But you know, it's often, often God actually speaks to us um, through dreams. Because in, in that realm, when you're actually sleeping at night and in the time of Dreaming, that's when you're sort of in between this realm and a heavenly realm, a spirit realm. And often, you know, a lot of dreams are not of God, and sometimes it's uh, obviously fearful, which is not of God. But, but there's this, this space where, where heavenly seeds can be planted into the soil of our hearts, and then it can start to grow. So uh, I have a, we have a dream. We have a dream that the church of Jesus Christ will become beautiful and powerful. That's my dream. That's our dream. That, that, that together we will live out the fullness of Christ. That's the dream. You know, and sometimes you feel like um, when, you, when you have dreams, especially when it's God dreams, you go through seasons that you actually wonder, am I nuts? Am I crazy? Can this possibly be? And then other times you, you get a glimpse of, yes, it's possible. You know, so at this pastor summit last week, you know, we had the privilege of about 50, 60 pastors and wives and 90 of us together. And, and I've been really 
challenged in terms of how do you lead a church group of 50, 60 people, you know, and I've been feeling like, God, I want to run away, and, uh, but I know you've called us to lead, and I don't know how to do this, and I, I felt the Lord say to me, but if you, if you're faithful, if you keep your eyes on me, I'm going to upgrade you, I'm going to give you more of me, you know, and this past week, God moved so powerfully, I'm just blown away. Of just seeing how God even touched the pastors, how they were set free and how their faith was stirred. And we received this word that the old wells have dried up and the Lord is unlocking, unblocking new wells. And the Lord used me to sort of direct the guys into it and then, and then God just pitched up. It was just amazing. And then we saw on, on, on Sunday at different churches, shofar churches, a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. And even in some of the office meetings on Tuesday morning, the move of the Spirit in some of the office meetings. Now, you know, if God is moving in an office meeting, you know something's up. Something awesome, awesome is happening. So we were at shofar Durbanville last week, Sunday morning, and it was just such a precious presence of God in the house. And, and then on, on Friday... Um, I, one of the pastors posted on our WhatsApp group, he, he shared of something that happened. There were quite a few people that were touched in the, in the service, but this one lady was beautiful. Her name is Elsebe Botma, and she's been on cortisone because of severe asthma for nine years. She could not do cardio, and she battled with sleeping. And then just during worship, I mean, we haven't said anything yet. It was just during the time of worshiping the name of Jesus. She felt a sensation in her chest as what she describes as her lungs vibrating or shaking. God touched her. And she's off all meds, no more inhalers. She even went for a run. Jesus heals. Amen. Give Jesus a hand for them. And, and the pastor says, the most amazing thing to me is how she cries as she experienced God's love and dignity was being restored. Isn't that wonderful? You see, with God, all things are possible at any moment. This morning, right now, anything can happen. I mean, just after this amazing time of worship, you know, something changes in the atmosphere. God draws near, our hearts turn to the Lord, and then anything becomes possible. Come on, let's say it. Anything is possible with God. I'm, I'm saying that because it needs to, you need, your faith needs to be stirred. Say so anything is possible. Like God can, in one moment, give you a glimpse of Him. In one moment, He can download a heavenly dream to you. In one moment, he can give you a, a, a touch from heaven. That's what God wants to do. He wants to, he wants to touch you. I listened to this quote by a lady, Susie Chasm, and she said, A heart without dreams is like a bird without feathers. A heart without dreams it's like a bird without feathers. In other words, you and I, we are designed by God Almighty to dream. To dream dreams of our future, of God's will for, for this world. You see, in heaven, in that realm, there are these wonderful dreams that are on, like, they're on, the, on, the, on the shelf. 
And he's just waiting for a place for a heart to come down. You see that picture of the boy with a little plane, aeroplane. You know, he, he, you know, that's how it started. No one f- flew yet, but there were people saying it could be that man should fly. And then they decided it should be, you know, and then the Wright brothers, they were the first to actually make it happen. So what is God wanting to do in your life? What is he wanting to do through your work environment? What, is, what gifts, what talents have he, has he placed within you? And has the full potential of that been discovered? So over the series, we're going to look at that. So we're going to do like five, six weeks or so. And we want to look at different angles of unlocking some dreams. Amen. Come on, let's say there's more. There's more, there's more. I want to stir you. I want to give you license this morning to start dreaming. I want to dare you to dream because I believe God is. If, they, if the Lord had a Twitter account, he would be saying right now, hashtag dare to dream. That's what he's saying. He's challenging us. He's challenging us to dream. He wants you to rise up like an eagle above the mountains and soar. See what God has planned and then become part, partner with God in seeing that come to pass. So that's what the Lord wants to do. So, uh, so look at this, Ephesians 3 verse 20. We're going to look at Ephesians 3 and also Genesis 37 this morning. And we're going to look at Joseph's life over the next five, six weeks. We're going to look at different parts of Joseph's life. He was a dreamer. Okay, so it says the Ephesians 3 verse 20, God can do anything. You know. Do you know that? Do you know that God can do anything? You see, and he doesn't want to do something out there only. He wants to do something in you. He wants to do something in you. God can do anything in you and through you. But there's so much wasted. I believe so much of God wasted, of his potential wasted. Because he's like, guys, I'm ready to make this happen. But I need someone to dream. I need someone who will hope and dream and grab hold of something so that God can show himself strong on our behalf. So it says there, God can do anything you know. Far more, go on, say far more, than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Your wildest dreams. Because God is so massive. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, His Spirit deeply and gently within us. So He wants to, he wants to plant these seeds within us. He wants to, to come reveal to you what is possible through your life, through your business, through your work environment, through the gifts and the skills that He has placed within you. Seeds of what could be and what should be. That's what He wants to do. Now, you say they're like wildest dreams. You know, most of us, they've said, most of us, we overestimate what can be done in a short amount of time. And we underestimate what can be done over a longer period of time. We underestimate. If you grab hold of a vision, if you grab hold of a dream, a heavenly dream, and you start walking in the direction of that dream, God's will for your life, you can see a lot happen In a few years, if you would consistently invest in that dream and consistently pursue that dream. 
You know, sometimes I speak to people and they like say 25 or something. And I say, I'm so old and I've wasted all my opportunities. I'm like, come on, 25. <laughs> there is so much that you can still do. You can change career. You can restudy. You can re-equip. You can, you can shift your way into the will of God. But the question is, do you have the guts to do it? To go where you need to go. Do you have the guts? That's what I believe God wants this morning to say. He wants to dare you to dream. He wants to dare you to dream. So that scripture says, His spirit deeply and gently within us. So, so God is coming and He wants to plant. He wants to work within us. And I'm trusting, even as I'm going to be sharing, that the Holy Spirit will stir this in you. It's interesting in Acts chapter 2, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit... It says, and I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And then what's the result? Well, prophecy, hearing God's voice. But then it says visions. And then it says dreams. Dreams. It says old men will dream. But it says everybody will dream. God wants you to dream by the Holy Spirit. He wants to come and birth things in you. And every now and again, I get a glimpse Every now and again, I get a download. Every now and again, I get something like, yo, Lord, can it be? And then I, as, as I start walking that out, there are these times you go through the valleys and you doubt it. And then you come through again and you see the fulfillment of something that God has said. Okay, so we're going to look at that process as well. Even as Joseph went through that process. But God backs heavenly dreams. He wants to download the seed in you and then he wants to bring it to pass. Okay, so let's look at Joseph. Joseph's story. Genesis 37, you can also, on the Bible app, the, we put the scriptures there. If you search under events, and you'll find Shofar East London. Okay, so let's look at Joseph's story. In Genesis 37, so you had Abraham, then you had Jacob, and then Jacob had a whole lot of sons, 12 of them, and uh, the one was Joseph. Now it says, Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Billah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now verse 3, it says, Now Israel, that's Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children. Because he was the son of his old age, also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. So now if you play out the story of Joseph, he was hated. He was rejected by his brothers. They almost killed him. They sold him into slavery. And he was, became a slave. And then later on in the end, through a lot of hell and prison and challenges, he was promoted to become the second most important person in the, in the Egyptian empire. And uh, he basically saved the nation. God used him to save, the, save a nation. But now I am asked this question, how on earth can a young man, 17 years old, he received, you see in the next verse I'll share about that in a moment, he received these dreams. And I was thinking, but how could he stay on track? How is it possible for this young man to be hated and rejected by his, by his brothers how could it be that he goes to, to, to prison and, 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 and sold as a slave and basically lose everything? How is it possible for this young man to keep on believing, to keep on hoping, 
to not become bitter and angry and not give up. How is it possible for someone to make it through all of that whole, all of that drama? But he didn't know it's going to play out right. Well, he didn't know what, what was the defining thing. I want to give you the answer. And it says that in that verse there. Now, Israel loved Joseph. So he was a 17-year-old boy, but he had a dad that loved him from basically birth. He was the special child. He was his dad's favorite son. His father actually made him a special tunic so that everybody would know that's dad's favorite son. And I believe something happened on the inside of Joseph that prepared the atmosphere or the environment within him and around him so that he could receive heavenly dreams. He had a security and a confidence of knowing I'm my dad's favorite son. Let's dream. Let's dream big dreams. And now you might say, but well, my dad, I wasn't the favorite. I was, I was the least liked. But I have good news for you this morning. I believe this is a picture not of simply, obviously, as parents, you have an awesome opportunity to create an environment to help your child, to help your children be secure and know that they're loved. Absolutely. But I believe there's a, there's a message here for you and me. You have a heavenly father. That loves you more than you can, can imagine. He, and he's massive. He is able. Do you know what happens? The moment you become a child of God, you commit your life to Jesus. You say, God, forgive me my sins. I, I've tried in my way. It's not been working. I come to you, Jesus. I want to be a child of God. Do you know what happens? The father opens his arms and says, welcome. You are now my favorite son. You are now my favorite daughter. Come on, let's say it. I am God's favorite child. But you need to believe it. You need to know it. You need to find that security and confidence in the Father's love. And you know, even as Joseph received this tunic of multicolors, every child of God is marked by the Holy Spirit. He says we receive a seal. If they could look into the Spirit, every child of God would be like clothed with this wonderful tunic of, I'm a child of God. I'm the father's favorite son. Something happens when you get a revelation of the father's love. Something changes, brings a confidence. It creates an environment within you where you can start to dream. And I've experienced this in my life. I've just like, God, I know you love me. God, I know you believe in me. I've often shared this as Chris Valentin said. He said, I was saved when I believed in God, but I was transformed when I realized he believes in me. I was transformed when I realized he, God, believes in me. As a loving father loves his child, his daughter or his son, it's like our heavenly father looks at you and he's like, man, love you, my favorite child. I so believe in you. You have my DNA in you. You have my blood running through your veins. And I am the creator of heaven and earth. I big dream, dream big dreams. I've called you to dream big dreams. Big dreams. 
How can you not when you realize you are his child? And so he seals us with his Holy Spirit because he wants to work in us and change our identities and how we look at ourselves and strengthen us so that, so that we can dream big. So look at this. Ephesians 3 confirms this. Ephesians 3 verse 14, a few verses earlier than the previous verses I read. And it says, Paul the Apostle, it says, My response is to get down on my knees before the Father. His response, when he thinks of who God is, when he thinks of everything God has done, when he realizes how wonderful the Father is. He says, I get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father. Come on, say magnificent Father. Who parcels out all heaven and earth. This is what he's saying. He's saying, when I think of this, when I ponder this, when I realize this, I bow my knees not before disappointment. Not before my failures of the past, not before my mistakes, not before my stuff-ups, not before, I don't bow before what other people did to me. I don't bow before those, those spots of, of disappointments of the past. No, I bow my knee, I completely surrender to my magnificent Father. Hallelujah, because that's where dreams happen. The greater your revelation of the love of God the greater your dreams will be. The greater your revelation of the Father's love for you and for mankind, the greater your dreams will be. But you need that revelation. You need that download. You know, bow that knee. God, I come before you this day. I surrender. Father, magnificent Father, I come to surrender to you. I've read your Twitter account. I've read it. It says, dare to dream. Hashtag dare to dream. Dad, I receive that. That's that seed. It says, I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit. Not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. A glorious inner strength. You see, if you want to not only receive a dream, but you want to see it come to pass, you need a glorious inner strength. To, through every valley, through every dip, through every challenge, still dare to dream, dare to hope, dare to believe. Every one of us have been gifted. We have been designed by God to do something awesome. But we need to discover it. doesn't matter how old we are. doesn't matter where we find ourselves. God has a plan for us. And I believe it is sons it, sons fulfill dreams, often don't, orphans don't. And it's amazing also that he shares the story of how his dad was the one that said to him, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Again, speaks of that inner strength. May the Spirit of God bring inner strength into us so that we might dream and so that we might f- pursue those dreams. Okay, so let's get back to Joseph's story. Uh, Genesis 37 verse 5, it says there, now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. Now it's interesting, the word, the, the word that, that the Hebrew word for Joseph that had a dream, the Hebrew word means to bind firmly. Had a dream. Joseph had a dream. Come on, say had a dream. That word means to bind firmly. Firmly. 
So a better translation would be not be that Joseph had a dream, but rather a dream had Joseph. And this dream that he received was part of the key to, to, to bring him through a lot of trials, a lot of challenges to see this wonderful dream come to pass. It says there in verse, verse 6, So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field. This is the dream. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. So dreams... Dreams are spiritual experiences from God. Heavenly dreams are from God. And it, it roots, it plants on the inside of us something that binds us to something good. The will of God. It captivates the imagination so that you can see it and so that you can pursue it. But there's a binding that takes place on the inside. And that's how I feel. That's how I feel about the dreams I have about the fivefold ministry. The dreams I have about seeing the church become beautiful and powerful. I just believe it must be. It must be that the church of Jesus Christ must be beautiful in the sense that people truly feel loved and valued and celebrated. And powerful that surely anything can happen at any time. And we're getting these glimpses every now and again. We're seeing the beauty and the power of, 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 of the church, of Jesus through his church. It burns within me. I can't stop it. I'm always thinking about it. I'm planning everything about it. I'm always talking about it. Every meeting with the chauffeur pastors, I'm like, uh, yep, fivefold ministry will solve that. Ah. <laughs> you know? And, and it's something that's been birthed in me and no one can stop it. But what dream is God planting on the inside of you? You know, a God dream, as I said previously, it, it seems... Utterly foolish. I mean, so this is, there's the 17 year old boy, Joseph, and you see in the verses on, like even his dad rebukes him at some stage. Stop it, Joseph. You beside yourself. How can you imagine that mom and dad and brothers will bow to you? Are you going to be king over us? This is just crazy. But that's exactly how it played out. So I want to say to you, God dreams can seem foolish. God dreams can seem crazy. But when it binds to us, it's something that, you know, you can only be fully alive when you are pursuing your God-given dreams. You can only be fully alive when you are pursuing your God-given dreams. Otherwise, you're just going to exist. And a God-given dream is not the next holiday. Or just the next car or the next house or the whatever. It could be part of it. But ultimately, a God dream will include people. Will impact people. You will only be fully alive when you have embraced your God-given dream. So do you have that dream? Are you pursuing that dream? Are you walking in its direction? Are you, or are you just thinking small, dreaming small, trying to survive, trying to cope? That is not the will of God for you. Amen.
If you want to be fully alive, you need to receive a God dream. God's dream for you is the enemy's nightmare. Hashtag dare to dream. God's dream for you is the enemy's nightmare. I can just imagine the old devil having nightmares. No, no, they're coming. They're dreaming. Those shofar people, they are embracing their dreams and they are walking it out. And the kingdom is coming. I can't take it anymore. I want to do that. Eh? Come on. When, when heavenly dreams are birthed on the inside of us and we start to walk it out by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to give the enemy nightmares. So next time you're having a bad night, just think the enemy is having a worse night than you. Amen. But so we, we receive opposition when it comes to our dreams. So the enemy comes and there are these times, these moments where you and I, we might wonder, is this really... Who do I think I am to dream this? Who do, who do I think I am to hope like this? Who, who do I think I am to, to believe God's going to bring this to pass? And so some of these doubts come. So let's get back to Ephesians 3, just the last verses. Ephesians 3, verses 17 to 19. And it says, now after we spoke about the, this magnificent father. I bow my knees before the magnificent father. Then it says that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. That Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I believe it's not just for first time I need to commit my life to Jesus. Yep, that's where you start. If you're walking far from God, you need to commit your life to Jesus. It'll open the door to Jesus to come in. But there's another part. When disappointments come, you know, I've seen this. Um, one of our guys, Jan Slubbert, he was here end of last year. He preached here. He's at Chauffeur Wellington. And he planted a church years ago, First Love was the church's name in Wellington, and, and they went through some really challenging times where basically the church was taken away from them, and they were without salaries for a long time. There would be five people in the house and wonder, uh, where, where's the food going to come from tomorrow? And it because of people that treated them badly. But he, he, shares, he was sharing about how to handle disappointments, and he said the one time he was raising up another, another guy to lead the church, and, it's something, and the young guy said, no, I'm, I'm leaving. And he says he was so disappointment, disappointed, so they had the ceremony to, to send this, this young, young man, relatively young man, uh, off into the world to do what he felt he was called to do. And Jan says he, he walked out of the church, and, he, and as he was walking out, he said, God, I will never Open my heart like that again to anyone. I'll never open my heart again to the people of God like that. And then he says, in the next moment, God spoke to me. He heard a voice from heaven speaking on the inside of him, saying to him, you can do that, but then you can't lead my people. So, so, so things happen in our lives. People disappoint us. Your spouse might disappoint you. Your boss might disappoint you. An employee might disappoint you. A family member might disappoint you. You know, life happens. And what happens then is that we tend to then shut down our hearts. We close off our hearts. I'm never going to open my heart like that again. And it starts small. 
But I tell you, that little bit of darkness becomes more and more and more. It overwhelms you in the end, and, 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 and you, you can no longer dream. You can no longer love passionately. You can no longer hope like you, 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 you should be hoping. And I believe some of us have we've closed our, our hearts to God, to people. And the Lord is saying, open your heart again. Hope again. Hope again. Believe again. And, and how can we do that? Because the next verse speaks of this. It says, and I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, that you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Come on, say extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test it, its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. But I love what it says there. Like both feet firmly planted on love. You see, when you stand upon the love of God, your fears stand no chance. Amen. When you, when you plant, when you are planted in the love of your magnificent heavenly father who loves you and who backs you and who is for you, your fears stand no chance. Stand upon his love and, and your fears stand no chance. Because what happens? The fears come. No, I don't want to, I'll never do that again. I never want to fail again. I never want to see that happen again. I never want to be criticized again. You know, it's easy to never be criticized again. It's simple. It's very easy. Don't think anything don't say anything, don't do anything, and don't be anything. You'll never be criticized again. But come on, we can't live like that. But if we are planted in this firmly on the love of the Father, it's like, God, that hurt, but I'm going to hope again. And that hurt, but I'm going to dream again. And that hurt, I'm going to stand up again. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to preach it again. I'm going to declare it again. I'm going to pray it again. I'm going to dream it again. I'm going to still trust you, God. You know, and so since 2012, I shared a bit of this on Wednesday night with the, the guys at here, the worship time. And in 2012, we started to sort of go into a fresh new direction of pursuing the fullness of God, the fivefold ministry and the fullness of God. And over the last six years, I have, because of the, in the, in the church family, I've, I've taken a lot of shots from my, my own friends fighting with me about theology and no, God doesn't want to do miracles through everybody and every opportunity. Just before I would speak, even at our convergence conference, my previous you know, like friends, good, good friends would come at me, you know, attack me. Yeah, and this past Friday was just amazing because I presented again to everybody. Guys, God wants his church to be a supernatural church. He wants to do signs and wonders through everybody. Because he said, these signs will follow those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. Not the special, not the awesome, those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. And it was amazing as God moved in this meeting with the pastors. And at the end, one of, our, there's one, one of these guys that were like clapping me, you, 
over and over again because he's the theologian in the church family and he knows everybody asks him, how does this work? You know, he's the interpreter of the Bible <laughs> for everybody. And yeah, so he was gunning for me. And then this past Friday, he was one of the guys that came to me and Sonica and said, please pray for me. I want what's on your lives. And then he prayed and he said, God, forgive me for being small-minded. Forgive me, God, for missing you. Ah, so Sonic was crying. I was crying. It was just like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you are with us. Because the dream is burning. I can't. The dream's got me. I can't feel a molmok. The church of Jesus Christ is called to be beautiful and powerful. I'll die for this. The dreams, it's got me. And I'm so amazed at the Lord's faithfulness as he is beginning to turn hearts and shift hearts and showing people that he, he is with us. This is his dream, not my dream. And I believe the Lord will do the same for you. So yes, opposition will come for your dream. Yes, people will say stuff. And yes, sometimes you might fail. But when you plant your feet on the love of God, it's like, God, you've got me. Let's do this again. Let's get up again. Amen. Don't allow, don't allow this disappointments and things of the past to steal from you. You will dream as big as your revelation of the Father's love. Verse 19 says, live full lives. Full in the fullness of God. You will only be fully alive when you have received a God dream and you start to pursue that God dream. And yes, it's a journey sometimes in terms of to get clarity around it. But you need to receive something from the Lord and say, God, I want to see your kingdom come. And we're going to talk about this over the following weeks as well. Even in your work environment, how can you leverage where God has placed you for more than just making money, for more than just selfish fulfillment, but to actually see his kingdom come? Come and the community impacted. As, as the video that I just showed, is incredible things that God's doing through this man's life. But you need to have a bigger, a grander vision. Amen. Hallelujah. So don't let your fears stand a chance. The greater our revelation of his love, the greater our dreams will be for the sake of others. So are you dreaming? Or are you just dreaming small? Have you allowed the past to define you? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.